on a very special Lords of Grantham podcast. I took the train in to see Corey in New York City, and both of us got, well, last row seats to Downton Abbey Live on PBS. Let's check it out. All right, Lords of Grantham fans, we are doing something very different today. Yeah, I'm coming to you out of New York, out of my apartment for once. Yeah, and we've we've tried in the past to do the uh, the Skype thing, and we haven't always been the biggest fans of it. So we're trying yeah, I'm, I'm, a little different methods. I'm wearing a head mic this time. Hopefully the audio comes through okay. We're testing it out. I have the most ratchet setup possible for this recording i haven't used my macbook in a year or two and i just plugged it in spark shot out of the the charger um because i can actually re- remove the plugs from it that i can take around uh, part the charger it's, it's very dangerous it's going to catch fire any, any moment and then i also have an earbud inside my ear with my headset over it so i can hear dave on the phone and then also record this uh less dedication it's uh it's a budget. It's a it's a living, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why we got the the pristine studio in Connecticut. So, but if this sounds good, this this opens up a world of possibility. Yeah. We we're we're here to talk about the PBS special that aired on Sunday, Downton Abbey Live, which mm-hmm. was a sort of hype piece for the movie essentially and really nothing else. Yeah, yeah, and we were lucky enough to get tickets. Yeah, that's right. Um, it, it was we posted on on Twitter. I know a couple people were asking us if we were going to be able to make it out to Highclere Castle Gin's uh, launch, and we said, eh, "I don't think so, just because of scheduling." But don't worry, we're going to be able to do something, and that something was we were in the crowd at Downton Abbey Live. Yeah, so I saw Kevin Doyle, uh, who plays Mosley, post on his Instagram about this live special and his post was it looked like a a powerpoint slide that he threw together uh, announcing it if 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 you uh, want to check it out i i I advise it 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 speaks to maybe mosley's uh social media savvy (laughs) that it's his powerpoint slide he's not even an official actually he doesn't even have a blue check mark and what's his username i think it's kevin doyle official but he has like eighteen thousand followers okay well i mean i I saw that we'll get into it further as we go but yeah, he, he's but officially I, I our that. friend I, now. He is. He is our friend right now. Um, but I, I, I saw that post, and then I went online and uh, saw that they had an entry for it. So I entered, and they emailed us back saying, yeah, you can come. And it's like, whoa, that was kind of easy. Yeah, um, I entered too, and I, I did not win. But Oh, wow. Th- luckily, you won. I entered twice too for my personal really? account and the Lords of Grantham Gmail. So we are, oh, we are indeed once. lucky. Yeah, and luckily enough, it was a Sunday night, and Dave, you didn't have to work the next day, so you could make the trek out to New York and then head back. Yeah. Well, I would have done it anyway, but it would have been a, a little more stressful if I had to work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I uh, guess before we get into this further, have mm-hmm. you have you seen this Harper's Bazaar article where they have the actors switch roles with uh, their counterparts? I've seen photos from it, but I have not seen it yet. So the I haven't read through the article, but the the real hook of the article is they did a photo shoot where 
uh, Michelle Dockery is dressed as the maid and Joanne Froggett is dressed as the aristocrat. So that's really the one thing. But there's one photo, excuse me, one photo if you go a little deeper down where it is Cora and Daisy in a uh, place swap, which is more interesting to me. And it's a, I have not seen that. It's interesting. I'm, I'm, it's odd, but they're dressed modern, so you know, okay. it is what it is. It's pretty for all. It's the, worth checking out. Yeah, of all the movie dump of interviews and and things, I think this is one of the more worthwhile ones, just because it's novel at the very least. I'll take a look. Yeah, but I mean, the movie is almost upon us, and and Dave, tickets for a live fan event went uh went on sale at like all the AMC theaters. For September 12th, because the movie here in the U.S. is being released September 20th, but around the world in most places it's coming out September 12th. I bought my ticket already to watch it early. Dave, you probably won't be joining me. No. You'll be watching it somewhere else. No, I, I think I'm going to reach out to former Mixed Match Challenge guests Kevin and Connor to see if they want to join me. Are you going to see it early? I'm going to go on that day, yeah, because I saw I have okay. um, Fandango on, and I saw that you know early screening. I get those emails and stuff, so... I would and like we also to be get there. Free, we get free snow globes alongside the screening. So, yeah, maybe maybe a giveaway for a lucky yeah. fan who can't <laughs> All attend. These snow globes we collect. Yeah. Uh, so that's coming up. That's soon. That's only a few weeks away. But you know, that's why we had the Downton Abbey Live special. Yeah. Now, Dave, where does the Downton Abbey Live special rank for you in terms of all-time Downton Abbey episodes? Uh. <laughs> I I actually rewatched it and I can say without beyond a shadow of a doubt it's pretty low on the totem pole. I mean, but so we didn't make it into the movie, but we made it into the live special. You can see us in the audience. Yeah, I took some screen caps because I I got a I got it online and I will make sure to send those to you for our Instagram and put them on our Twitter. So yeah, so I'd say at, at least this episode is above the one with the. The person who thinks he's a, a crawly, but he's he's you know yeah P Gordon all messed up in the head. Yeah, I think we're above that episode, but the rest may, maybe not so much. Yeah. So, do before we get to the content of this thing, we should talk about our experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we were definitely the youngest dudes there. The yes, the may, maybe there was one person around our age, but there was nobody else. Yeah, youngest pairing, I'd say. Yeah, of males, definitely. Well, I mean, probably only <laughs> pairing of. No, there was one other pairing of of older guys. Were there? Yeah, I, I didn't see them. Yeah, the one thing that I did think was very peculiar, or not peculiar, but I, I'll edit that out. But one thing that was very interesting about the whole thing was I felt that it was very racially um, even, and like they had a nice diverse crowd. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, Down Abbey appeals to everyone, and I think it helps that you know we're in New York, which is like the most diverse place in the world. Indeed, indeed, it does. Do we want to get into this whole process of how how this worked, how what what they did for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, we showed up, but we ate some uh, delicious chicken at a uh, Bonchon Chicken. Yep, Sp- official and, sponsors. Uh, not official sponsors, but great chicken. If you love Korean fried chicken, eat there. Uh, we got that, and then the, it was a downpour outside, but we decided to head over anyways. There was already a crowd, uh, not a crowd, but a small grouping waiting in the lobby yeah and we were what uh 10 15 minutes early we weren't that we were we were on time yeah and there was a woman there that we wound up chatting with later who said that her and her friend had been there since five o'clock so yeah i loden was seven 
to go mm-hmm. upstairs to be wrangled. So she was there for two hours in basically a lobby with no and, no chairs, no anything. And just to note, they, they sent instructions that, you know, the doors open around 7 and then they close around 8. So maybe they had some impression they'd get better seats if uh, they got there earlier, but it didn't make any difference whatsoever. Yeah, well, I mean, I just know because of the rain, there mm. were people that were in the sort of middle of the room. And then when we got there, we just went right up to the the sort of the check-in point because we didn't want to be close to that wet door. Mm-hmm. So yep. some of these people had been waiting there all day or, you know, significantly longer than us, but just because of our, you know, space limitations when it came to that being close to the outside, we kind of got better spots than them, at least initially. Yeah. 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 And they were pushing into us when we were like walking over to the elevator. Oh, they were like a couple of those middle-aged being- ladies were not so fond of us for, for sniping good spots. Yeah, but it didn't even matter anyways because what happened next was we were brought to a, a siloed room <laughs> with no windows. Nope, just a couple cookies and some coffee and some cans of soda and Sprite, Sprite, a lot of Sprite, a lot of Coke too. Yep, Coca Cola, Coca Cola. No, <laughs> yeah, they don't serve cocaine to old people. <laughs> that would that would have been bad. And I will say that I I don't know if I'm correct in saying this, but. As we were walking in, I heard a, a chuckle that sounded a lot like Phyllis Logan, who played Mrs. Hughes, and that set the mood for me for what we were going to be getting into, or what I thought we were going to be getting into. Yeah, I didn't hear that. So, I mean, that's that's all Dave's here to say, but I believe yeah, she was it there. Could, it could be, it could have not have been her, but it was could a, have been a, a recording. British laugh, or an Irish laugh, if I don't know exactly what her real life nationality is, but I thought it was her. So they wrangle us yeah. into this room, and they basically just tell us how great we are for going. They do a lot of patting us on the back. Yeah, the producer came in and was just like, I'm so happy you're here. And it's like, yeah, dude, we love Down Abbey. <laughs> and and then, we're going to see some of the cast members, right? <laughs> yeah, and they, they kept saying, you're going to meet these people and these people and these people. They said, they said meet multiple times. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. they got us all fired up, but... I think the real the real juice of what happened in this room where they're wrangling us was that we found out that in the room with us was one of the writers of Sesame Street, someone who had written for Sesame Street for 40 plus years. Mm-hmm. And, and won 23 Emmys, as he told oh, us yep, multiple times. Twice, twice. And yeah, yeah. this woman, this very sweet older lady, said that, there is a Sesame Street Downton parody called Upside Downton Abbey. And she said, everybody, if you want to look it up on YouTube, go for it. And like, like flies to a, a, a light bulb. All of a sudden we just started hearing these Sesame Street clips playing on phones throughout this room. Yeah. No one watched it in sync or anything. It was everyone just doing it on their own accord. Um, and the, the best moment was uh, these old ladies a couple seats away from the, the Sesame Street writer. They started watching it, and the Sesame Street writer quietly said to them, Oh, are you watching the clip? And then they didn't respond to her. They, they no-sold her. They, were, they didn't say anything back to her. They they were not. They were so in, in, engrossed in Upside Downton Abbey. Which, uh, Dave, have you watched it since? No, I haven't. I was going to, but then I totally forgot. Have you? Uh, yeah, I watched it yesterday. Dave and I were not about to watch it along with all these other people. We weren't going to be following everyone else. Yeah, the, the producer uh, outright told us to turn our phones off. So all these people right. are just 
you know, in the event that somebody comes in and sees us, I don't want to be that guy that's directly disobeying your one order. And we should note the security guard watching the room looked like James Hetfield from Metallica. Yeah, he looked like uh, James Hetfield's like suburban security guard brother. Yeah. And he yeah. was a, I went a, very, to the a very nice guy. Yeah, I went to the bathroom and he gave me like a hang 10 when I came out of the bathroom. I was like, yeah, dude. That's how you know <laughs> he's, he's, he's the real deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I watched Upside Down Abbey. You're not missing much. I think we're okay. I think, was, I think. Do you remember when they did the 30 Rocks? Mm-hmm. I think it, they're sort of trying to get that that pop of the internet and just yeah. get get those clicks without much real relevant content. I mean, the the, the Muppets, the one looks like Carson, one looks like uh, Violet, but uh, yeah, it's a fine clip. If you want to, it's three three minutes of your life. Choose what you want to do with it. Watch it. Maybe not. Yeah, if you got it's kids, fine. throw <laughs> it on. Why not? Yeah, sure. It'll just show kids Sesame Street. Do that. Yeah, so that was the real highlight of uh, of being in that room. Well, we were talking to a lady who was t- telling us about the Black Oscars, where she met Denzel Washington and oh, he kissed well, her yeah. hand. I, she, I was excited to hear that. She, she, this this woman next to us, she was what an art dealer. Mm-hmm. And she, was, uh, no, she was an art teacher. But then she said she was she either curated or dealt art on the side. Mm-hmm. And that brought her to Los Angeles, where her client base was like Diana Ross, and she. She said, Whoopi oh, Goldberg. Yeah, she she's st- burying the lead with sort of not Diana Ross. She didn't say that right away, but it was, do you know this name? And or you know, sort of politely yes anding her. And then like the fourth mm-hmm. or fifth name is Denzel Washington. <laughs> yeah, and who, he kissed her hand. You're a big fan of, and I I knew I'm a massive Denzel Washington fan. I knew as soon as she started saying the Black Oscars and dealing art in this the Black community that. I said, if this woman says Denzel, Corey's going to blow. Yeah, and, and there was and a period, Dave, where you went to the bathroom. I just kept talking to her about, like, oh, tell me more about this uh, meeting. They were super friendly. These, uh, well, oh, this yeah. was this woman, and she was with her friends. Mm-hmm. Like, they were, and she brought her daughter, or her granddaughter. They were very nice. They were, a, a, like, yeah. it is one of those sort of situations where you're just stuck with people, and, and we could talk, you and me, all day, but... There's people around We're us there for that are a little over like hour forty five minutes. Yeah, or so. this the older gentleman next to us was chatting us up a little bit about not anything in particular, just sort of this opportunity and stuff like that. Just a lot of definitely small talk. seemed like he was uh, dragged there by his wife. I yeah, got that yeah, <laughs> that's. But he was he was a good sport. Mm-hmm. So let's just get right to the meat and potatoes of this whole thing. The the special itself. So they brought us into yeah. this room, and. I thought that we were we were in a good spot because the we were probably within the first twelve to fifteen people walking in, right? Yep. And the first group of people, a couple of them were, I think, the only other real younger folks sniped mm-hmm. the first row, or the one you know the first row in the bleachers, mm-hmm. and then the Wrangler people were like, no, 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 last row, but they didn't relocate yeah. them; they sent us into the back row. Yeah, the first two rows filled up, and then you know, we think we're going to be perfect for the third row. Nope, back row. I mean, look, the crowd was a little bit older. It's easier for them to go up less steps, I guess. You know, we can take the extra step. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, it's just a little <laughs> unfortunate. You know, you want your you want to get different demographics in. Yeah, a bit of a bummer. Uh, but we did have a nice view. I had a view into the back where I was, like, looking for when they were coming out and everything. Yeah, and we definitely had our ears to the producers and the – camera people and the crane operator where they were sort of mm-hmm. 
just as much a part of the story, at least for me, as what we saw on TV. Yeah. So, uh, is it? Do we have any pre-show notes, or should we just jump into? What well, I we mean, saw? the producer came back out and said, "Well, you may recognize uh, Mr. Kevin Doyle here as Mr. Mosley, and he knows." an Anne in the audience. And I, and the producer says, I know an Anne too. And what do you know? We both know the same Anne. And then he made us applaud the fact that Mosley and him shared a mutual connection, which was weird. It's like, cool. You both know the same person. Let's clap. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even, you know, and the, she, he reintroduced the Sesame street woman. It wasn't a person of any sort of interest to the world. It was just a person he knew. Mm-hmm. And it was so, yeah. you know, whatever, dude, <laughs> This guy seemed cool. to be, and he made several jokes about uh, his hair turning gray and another guy going bald, but then mm-hmm. went on to say how many of these specials he's produced. So, the fiftieth fiftieth Sesame Street specials coming up. Yeah, he All was right, he was like, dude. you know, I I, I had a brown ha- a head full of brown hair when I started this special. Now look at me, and by the way, I've done eight other Downton Abbey specials. So it's like your 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 jokes are bad, man. They're trash. <laughs> He was just trying to get us hyped up, you know. Um, but yeah, man, the, they they introduced Deborah Roberts, who hosted the show. And do you? From, who, I think yeah. Who is Deborah Roberts? To I think to, she's on Good Morning America. I think she's like one of the hosts on there. I thought that she uh, she was okay, but she really was a little too surface heavy. And I know it was I probably just the notes, but especially on a rewatch, yeah. she leaves a, the, the whole special left a lot to be desired for like hardcore fans, in my opinion. Yeah, and well, I, I was talking to my my mom av- afterwards, who's a casual fan. She loved Deborah Roberts. She thought she was great at it, doing the interview. So, different strokes. Yeah, you know, maybe I, it, the interviews themselves were fine. It was just uh, yeah. another thing that they said would we would be asking questions, and uh, right. we got nothing. Nope. Again, nope. Instead, <laughs> they they turned the mic over to the internet, and then occasionally people in Los Angeles and Chicago. Yeah. So. I think before we even get to that, the most important and probably the single most impressive thing that we dealt with that whole time was uh, mm-hmm. John Lunn. Yes. The composer. And I think that really kind of that was the biggest shock for me because we didn't know that Laura Carmichael was going to be there. But no, we didn't know when they told us we we kind of got excited. Or we got very excited. And then when they People said, gasped. oh, yeah. But then when they said John Lunn was going to be performing, it just kind of went over my head like, yeah, whatever. And then oh, I was stoked. I was yeah, I was stoked as I was just to hear like Mosley was going to be there. But then when he comes down and sits by the piano, and the producer said something like, "Oh, you might know some of the stuff that he does," and he's like, "Oh, well, what should I play?" And he started playing the theme song. No, I no, think- no. He no. The way it went is like, "Can you play something?" And then John Lund sit there like quizzically for a second, like he just said, "Play something." What do I play? And then he just played the theme from the the show. It's like, well, what else are you gonna play? It's like, it's, it's like, why doesn't the producer just ask him to play the theme? Like, don't don't say like, play something for us. You know, it's like, he's not just a piano man. He's the man. <laughs> yeah, and when when he started playing that theme song, I think that was the most like emotion that came through me that whole experience because that really hit. Like this guy wrote that. Yeah, and I felt for him the most throughout the special because. John Lund, this famous composer who you know did the Downton Abbey theme, had to sit there at his piano the entire show. Whereas the cast they brought in, brought out, you know they cut away to the other producers. He sat at the piano the entire time, and I'd say a good third of my time watching the special was just staring at him, <laughs> stare at his piano, and just 
looks so empty inside. He had <laughs> like a, he had a Fellows esque look too. Yeah, he did look a little bit like Julian Fellows, a little bit. Um, but he just looks so checked out at times. Like sometimes he'd get a smile on and everything, but he was just like probably counting the dollars for having to be there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like because I mean, there's sometimes. Be? they'd bring out like a guest or whatever. And then he just burst into playing the piano and they'd both like the guests and the host would just kind of look at him and like, Oh, I guess he's playing the theme of the character. I don't know. It's yeah, like every sign, every time he played a song for somebody coming out, Deborah Roberts was like, wow. And you got music from Jeff one, <laughs> the composer yeah, I, of the show. Yeah. I just like to think that he was so bored. He's like, I'm just going to play a song right now. Maybe it's the character's theme. I don't know. I'm just killing a couple hours here. <laughs> But I, I think that his his disinterest combined with the overall experience made him probably the, the true highlight of everything. Yeah, yeah, just about. The first actors that they brought out were Phyllis Logan and Leslie Nickel, Patmore and Hughes. And we heard Hughes talking from, or we heard Patmore talking from yeah, behind Patmore's the unmis- curtain. and Unmistakable. Uh, it was like both of our eyes like lit up. Yeah. And... Yeah. It- I, we don't talking about what they discussed is is almost irrelevant because they didn't. It's all very surface level, and the, this Frothy stuff should be somewhat available online if you're a PBS supporter. If not, there are if ways. If you're international, to you'll it. have to bootleg it. <laughs> yeah, well, it is bootleggable. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Dave may know where a way or two. Yeah, <laughs> I had to find. I had to find it on on the quick, and I tried to. You know, I, I fully intend on supporting my local PBS station, and we'll tell you how shortly. It's it's available if you want to watch it. So yep. they introed a clip, which was just the trailer, the be- mm-hmm. the first like third of the trailer. And one thing that they hyped was unseen footage from the movie, and and then it's just a trailer. <laughs> and that one, I'd say there was only really one clip that was totally unseen. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that, which wasn't that exclusive because if you're watching the special, you get to see. It. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, of course, they're not going to make it exclusive to the 40 people that were right. in the room, but yeah, yeah, it was. Um, well, let's just since we're not going to go over this as beat for beat, the first clip that they showed was the was literally the trailer with a montage feel. The second mm-hmm. clip was a longer viewing of the Mary and Carson scene that you see in the trailer where she says, you know, we need you to come back. Mm-hmm. So that was maybe what, like five seconds longer than what we see in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. And the third clip was Edith and Bertie showing up to the house, which is also in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And the fourth clip was the Dowager Countess, Vi- Isabel yeah. and um, Dolores Umbridge from the Harry Potter films, who is Jim Carter's Car- real life wife and mm-hmm. a character in the film. So, yeah, that was the only one that I don't recall seeing in that form. So if you're going to download the special for those exclusive clips, we just saved you a bunch of time if you're going to do that. I mean, you get like one extra line at the end of each one. Yeah, and they promise this big secret throughout the special. Like, we're going to try and get one big secret out of the producers. We won't spoil it on here, but it was not it was not worth teasing for an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, no, and it was, it was barely... It wasn't a secret. Well, do you want to spoil it, Dave? Yeah, they said... So the, well, people listening, fast forward thirty seconds. But Dave, go. If if you really think that there's a this is a spoiler, what they said was there's a love interest for Tom, which is in the trailer. Yeah, so there you have it. And then <laughs> and then Deborah Roberts goes, "Oh yeah, Thomas, what a, what a str- 
Oh, because she thought it was Barrow, and then it dawns yeah. on her that it's Branson that they're the producers. Hey, hey, hey! All right, now people skip forward enough. Let's not keep spoiling the movie. If, they, if you, yeah, if you're going in totally <laughs> blind, you shouldn't be listening to this episode of the podcast. Um, yeah. So those producers, by the way, were Gareth Name and Liz Hubridge, who mm-hmm. were um, not really charismatic. Yeah, they're fine. They, were you know, they talked about working with Julian. But then you threw Larry Carmichael in there, Laura Carmichael, uh, Edith, with them, which I felt was a real underservice to her. Well, she came out on her own for a second, too. Yeah, thankfully. She was, I, I, again, the one thing that I really wished was that we got a little a little more passion in these mm-hmm. guests because I feel like Deborah Roberts was all fire. But the guests yeah. were sort of, you know, stock answers and didn't get enough time to really spread their wings to... I guess maybe I'm used to listening to long form interviews in this day and age. Well, they had really... to get the PBS plugs in, man. Yeah, and do we'll get to that. Yeah. So, but, uh, Laura, Laura Carmichael was in. I gotta say, you know, all the Edith haters are out there, and we have given her her fair share of hate on this podcast. But she is a beautiful woman in person. Oh, she is stunning in person. I I was like, man, and well, Andy was there for a second. They only brought Andy. He got the biggest disservice of all. He he came out and joined Pat Moore and Hughes. Um, Andy, who looks like he's six five, Randy Orton size height. Uh, he's he's married to Laura Carmichael in real life, Edith. Uh, yeah, he was barely on there, but she I could see how they they date how they're, how they're married because she's tall, like she looked tall. Well, she had heels on, um, but yeah, she also was a yeah, lot more online striking. At, yeah, I looked online after she's five six, but she looked taller. She looked Randy Orton height again. <laughs> six <you know>. five. <laughs> yeah, six five. Um, so I can see how those two date because they got the height. He was. Hand, I, I will say that uh, it it is sort of a totally different view on Hughes and Pat Moore and Molesley even. But Andy and Edith looked like they could be models in real life. Yeah, yeah, they looked handsome. Although I will say Mosley looked a lot younger in person than he does in the show. Yeah, his, and even the posters from the movie, he looks really young. His hair is grayer but it's not in that weird comb over it's a little more natural yeah so he he did look he like looked five years younger yeah ab- absolutely he didn't look because in the show he's supposed to be 55 he definitely yeah, looked he, around he, 55 or 50 if you told yeah. me he was a 50 year old i would have believed it yeah so and he had the the be- one of the best moments of the interview oh, so. with his phone yeah, his phone went off, and then Deborah Roberts called him out like, oh, what a Mosley moment. He forgot to turn his phone off during the interview. <laughs> and then she, she threw it to the ad for your local PBS station and said, you know, why don't you go take that call, Kevin? And he mm-hmm. he was like, okay. <laughs> and he, I think he, he, yeah. he gave – there were two real moments of, of goodness that were real nuggets of doubt and fun – where he said that he when when they cast Mosley, Mosley was supposed to be like a one and done character. That that mm-hmm. um, was it. Pat Moore that said that uh, Julian Fellows really caters to how fans are perceiving things. So when we talk about week to week booking for Downton Abbey, he doesn't necessarily know who's going to be hot and who's not. So hearing that, like he he saw the reaction to Mosley and made him sort of the bumbling idiot underdog who makes a life for himself that was fun to hear yeah i mean the other i mean fun thing that happened i thought was uh well with these ads that was going on but 
you know, Pat Moore went to help them out. Um, what's her name in real life? Leslie Nickel. Leslie Nickel went to help him out and then she exited the wrong stage and then she had to like kind of do like the mambo as she went the other direction to, to correctly exit stage. Thought that was a nice moment. Yeah, and she also had the moment where, oh, what was, oh, I had it in my head. There, they asked her, oh, what her, what it was like being with Maggie Smith because a lot of uh, Maggie Smith praising here and she oh, said yeah. that, and this totally dawned on me as I was watching live was that Pat Moore doesn't interact with the dowager until season six that's right so you don't realize how infrequently some of these upstairs and downstairs characters interact until mm-hmm. you someone outwardly tells you because yeah. you just assume ensemble you know all big group and then it's like oh no they spent five years mm-hmm. together without ever working together yeah also fun side note she said she lives in la now pat moore yeah uh, yep leslie nickel <laughs> So I, I could not envision her at all being in L- L.A., but sure. All right, cool. Yeah. So who else? Uh, we cut to so Los Angeles and Chicago were the sister locations, and we were supposed to get Harry Haddon Patton, who plays Birdie, but they mm-hmm. said that his flight did not take off. So he wound up going to this Chicago one, which mm-hmm. was just a pub where they were dressing up in 20s clothes. There were some characters there. That, no, the, um, the better characters were in Los Angeles. But there yeah. were characters at in the Chicago one. That was the couple that was dressed up as uh, Matthew, right? Yeah, yep. That was... Uh, was the, the one guy? That Tim. was That was Tim. Tim was in Los Angeles on the green screen. Every time they... they so they, they would throw to Los Angeles, and Los Angeles had this uh, middle-aged woman in a blue dress standing upright straight and on a green screen like hands folded in front of her every time they let the feed go for like 10 seconds before she started talking and man mm-hmm. it was so awkward that the the second time they threw it to them the cameraman behind me just goes come on oh god as she stood there <laughs> quietly and it was yeah. I, I laughed out loud because it was so this guy was just so frustrated at these la people for not getting the ball rolling but the, mm-hmm. so they what was the they were asking what their favorite female characters in Downton were. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman and I screen capped it, so this will definitely be maybe the episode picture, with a curled up mustache and a top hat and a beard, went on this this nice little rant about how Anna is is the best. And we were charmed in the moment by Tim. Oh, because his reaction was, What's your name? Tim. Who's your favorite female character? Anna. And I was like, all right. <laughs> you just, should have just say turned it, around and, proud. and walked away at that point. Just two <laughs> yeah. seconds. All right, I'm off. <laughs> and by the way, the Chicago crowd was getting free wine and wine glasses. And and they had the, the costume maker there, too. Yeah, they had the costume designer. What was her name? I wrote that down. Anna Robinson, the costume designer, who Emmy nominated two times for seasons five and six. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, what else? Who else did we see? Anybody? Any more I think nuggets? That's it. We saw the producers. It was it was Mosley, Hughes, Patmore, Edith, Andy, John and Lund. John Lund. But do we want to get to our favorite part? Yeah, I think it's about about time. So, every couple moments during this telecast, and I feel like it happened at least four times during this ninety minute program. They because when I downloaded it. Four times? I think Dude, it, it was at least seven or eight. 
So every, well, I mean, they would do like double up on the same break, right? So because the the file that I downloaded, and I do recommend everyone support their local PBS station, but the file that I wound up with on my computer was fifty nine minutes. Oh, because it was a ninety minute special. So it was that on means they spent thirty full minutes hyping up this Downton Abbey mug and the DVD set. It felt that way. It felt like a full half hour. So the mug is a heat mug that has the Dowager Quips on it. So when you pour the hot water into it, the Quips appear. Mm -hmm. And then they... It's probably the same Quip every time next to the Dowager. It's multiple Quips, but they don't change. It's just like 20 Quips on the thing. Mm -hmm. And also the way they describe this DVD set... I mean, the way that I, I described it when we were there, the voice of the narrator sounded like one of those like witness protection documentaries where they don't want to reveal... like you, or someone you re- receive like a ransom message from, like yeah, you have yeah. your son and children, you're, we're going to kill you. Like you watch the documentary where, <laughs> in order to protect this man's identity, we're going to blur his face and modulate his voice. Whereas mm-hmm. the the Dowager Countess mug is only eight dollars <laughs> a month, and it was it was terrifying. <laughs> But they kept yeah. beating it into our heads to the point where that after we had left, we were sitting in the elevator and somebody said, I already support PBS for Daniel Tiger and my kid gets the thing. Now I want to get this mug. Do I have to cancel and resubscribe to get this mug? Like people were fired up about this mug. They they beat it into our heads. At least every 15 minutes they showed that commercial. And uh, they, they it, was also, like a, it was not a short commercial. It was like a minute to 90 seconds. Oh, no, no. I mean, you got to figure half an hour, a third of this entire program was dedicated it, to promoting PBS, and that was the bulk of what the promotion was. And it's funny, because when I was a kid, or you know, whenever I watched like PBS way back, I always felt like it would always cut to these long promo commercials, and that would always turn me off from PBS. And it's f- funny to see that's still going. That's still a thing. Okay, support yeah, PBS. Yeah. I love PBS. But, uh, man, a lot of promos. They really need that money. You know, I guess if you figure... That when Downton was on, you'd probably watch the whole episode in one swoop and then get a a block of this ad. But the way that this worked, it felt like like I was watching a, a like wrestling or a football game where it was like regularly scheduled breaks. And it was just yeah, too and, much. And and the DVD set for the people who spent more money on PBS, it's like, give me the Blu-rays. I know people still have DVD players. Maybe, I guess, older people still who, who they're catering to maybe have DVD players still, but... Where's my Blu-ray option? I want my Blu-rays of the Downton Abbey set. If I'm going to get this, that's what I want. Yeah, the elegant coasters and the real-life bell are... I do like the real-life bell. That is a nice like thing to throw into the, this yeah, box Yeah, do, do you want to give $275 a year to PBS to get it? Mm-hmm. Well, they had different they had different stacks. It was one tier for the mug, another tier for the DVD set, and then another tier for the mug and the DVD set because it's that important to get that mug. Oh, the mug was and, – and just so you know, you, the listeners, I went on the PBS website and in my, my desperation to find a stream of this special and this mug, you can just get the mug by itself for a one-time purchase. Of how much? I believe it's $16. Well, that's not too bad. No, it's not too bad and it goes to a good cause. And there's a lot of good Downton Abbey merch. There's a lot of other mugs that are a little bit more – subtle than this heat changing quip mug well 
that's the other thing too is like you'd think they'd have other mugs they could promote but they t- just kept harping on this one from the dowager with her quips it's like come on give me something else you know and, and they <laughs> me- did they back to the special itself they did a, a fan poll for the dowager's best quotes and they were like mm-hmm. what is a weekend was the runaway winner and the other two i feel like were just dull like i don't yeah I don't who's to it, say kind of I don't have friends me. I liked it. It just seemed very haphazard. It kind of depresses me too because they showed a, like a reel of her quips and everything. And I love what is a weekend and we've talked about it on this podcast before. But that is season 1 episode 1. She has so many lines after that. Get over it, okay? Let it be. It's a great line, but let it be. <laughs> yeah, and they showed um the scene from the flower show that our our good friend Estelle uh, put on the needlepoint or the however the stitch of Isabella and Violet that is in our studio currently. So that was a nice little pop because things don't always stick when you watch six seasons of this show in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. Oh, one other story observation too is when they had Laura Carmichael up there, they, sh- they played a reel of Edith's depressing moments because they kept harping on how bad of a run Edith had. And I was watching her react to the clips and they showed when she, um, home wrecked the the Drews and the Drews are all shouting at each other. I saw Laura Carmichael kind of her jaw dropped for a second and I think she may have forgotten that Edith was a home wrecker. <laughs> I think <laughs> like that you, was a thing. You can take that. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. She had a bit of a like a oh my. Like that that was her reaction to seeing that she for was a second. Yawning. I don't know. It was late. I mean, it was you know 9:30, 9:45. The but, other uh, thing that they did on the episode was they revealed the favorite moment and what was that? Uh, oh, what was it? Was they, it season one? Was it the flower thing? No, they had. It was like the Mary, oh, Mary and Matthew was, getting engaged, and another moment, and then like a dowager moment, and like the dowager moment won the fan vote. But come yeah, on, yeah, it was the it was it was the flower the competition that that beat out uh, Matthew proposing to Mary at the end of season two. So somehow that won. Yeah, it did. So kudos to all the season one fans out there. You got a few moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the people that are like binging to catch up for the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one another stray thought. Every time Deborah Roberts talked about Andy, she just singularly referred to Andy as the love interest of Daisy. Yeah. But if you watch the show, Andy does not become the love interest to Daisy until like where we are in the season, which is like, Episode six, seven, you know, like seven, eight, nine, and even barely then. It's funny they kept talking about the end of the series, and it's like, man, I'm about to rewatch the end of the the, the series. Don't spoil the end of the series again for me. But uh, that was yeah, I, I was like, what did they really downplayed a lot of the nuances of a lot of the characters and how good they are? In my opinion, it was you know, well, th- it was a hype piece for the movie, but yeah, maybe well, there, well, there was some I mean, podcast at least or something. Andy did call out that like his, the best character was Barrow, and that was like the one role he would have liked to play because that's the most complex character. And it's like, good, yes, someone respect, <laughs> recognize that Barrow is actually one of the more interesting characters on the show. Yeah, so I think that really is there any other odds and ends? Uh, from... We had live clips from uh, from Hugh Bonneville checking in and uh, Julian, Julian, who's this 
being boisterous like oh, can julian you give us a secret highlight of the whole thing oh he was riffing like julian can you share any secrets oh no <laughs> like, never oh, ask whoa. me that <laughs> why would you think that come on <laughs> and uh, uh hugh bonneville crossed his fingers and said get us a sequel yeah he wants a sequel he wants that money he wants this podcast to never to go away <laughs> I mean, Paddington Three still isn't scheduled, so he needs to he needs to fill in that that time block somehow. The yeah, Monuments Men uh, too. <laughs> that's not gonna happen. Uh, but this is all you know to say the biggest moment happened after the show ended. Yeah, they they were carting us out, mm-hmm. and Jeff Lunn was over by the piano, and who decided to come up to the piano to try to make a bit about playing the piano? Mister Mosley. He he literally did a thing where he tried to pretend to hit the piano and then like gave this look of fright like oh no I shouldn't do that vintage Mosley and then we were thinking we see the people in Chicago that are drinking the wine people in Los Angeles mm-hmm. drinking the wine we're thinking maybe we'll get something a movie poster free tickets you know this mug they keep talking about we got and nothing. nothing nothing even in so much so that. And again, support your local PBS station. I cannot tell you how much I gained from having Sesame Street in my life as a kid. Mm-hmm. Support them. But as we're filling out these waivers, they say that they're paying everybody the minimum mandatory payment of $1, which <gasps> means we're all... But they're not paying us the dollar. They're donating it to PBS on our behalf. I mean, well, I guess we did our contribution then, yeah. Yeah, but so so the one thing that it's like, this is what you're going to get is a you know, four quarters. We don't even see those four quarters. No, they go to our local PBS station. So I think in uh, that moment of of Kevin Doyle at that piano, and he's right there around, next to us. So like, because the crowd is not, the, the cast is not interacting with the crowd at all. They're trying to do like one more group photo or whatever, but that, he is right there. They kept telling us we were going to meet these people. And I thought, you know, this is going to go off the air at nine or 1030. And we're going to be able to, you know, sort of, Walk, walk out slowly maybe get a picture with the set they were like mm-hmm. all right go get out yeah and the stage manager was extremely friendly and shook us shook all of our hands and thanked us all personally mm-hmm. and he was a sweetheart but whoever was given the directions was like get him out now and you really took the ball and i'll let you you give your telling of of how our night ended well, yeah, he was, I mean, Mr. Mosley, Kevin Doyle was playing around at the piano with uh, Lund, and he was kind of like doing his awkward stare around, trying to not look at anyone too closely, and I kind of just determinedly locked eyes with him and put my hand out there and said, love your work, you're so good, and in, and he grabbed and shook my hand too, and he said, thank you, chap. In a very, Dave, in a very Mosley way, like appreciative, and then I, I shook his yeah. hand too. Yeah, you seemed very apprehensive. You're like, like, well, you did it. And then I, I, I was walking out, and I was saying to myself, like, you know, they're kind of carting us out. And then I said, you know, to as I'm walking out, I just, did, I said, I got to do it. You know, they're not, we're, we're not mm-hmm. getting this dowager mug. I don't see people getting any Downton swag. So I just went in for the handshake. I didn't say anything. He was, he was pretty giddy on what you said to him. So yeah, I, I, I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking when I said it. But I mean, it's true. Based if you listen to the podcast, I'm a big Mosley fan. So I, yeah, I love you, dude. You're and that's great. what. That's why I didn't say anything because I hate Mosley. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, no, I don't, I, you know, I don't hate Mosley, but in that moment, I just didn't know what, how do you follow that up? I said, I think I said like, thank you for everything or something. Thanks. Yeah, you and did. Walked yeah, out. you did. Yeah. And he was like, oh, no problem. <laughs> and then he probably got stuck shaking everyone's hands because we probably set the trend of, uh, I mean, of that. Do you, do you think the people that were there later, because a lot of people were like, you know, there was one woman oh, one row oh in front God. of us that was like yeah. shoving her hand out and talking to Leslie Nickel. As if they were best friends, and I was thinking yeah, they exchanged uh, side kisses on the sides of the cheek. Are these people like getting preferential treatment and maybe getting to chat? Because you know, I just think about what happened when we walked into Highclere Castle Gin when they're like, when Chris Van Houten over there just told all the people like these guys have a Downton Abbey podcast, and everyone in that office popped like we were you know fake celebrities. If we had gotten mm-hmm. the the name of our podcast out to like one person in the room, do you think we might have gotten to like shake one other person's hand? I don't think so. I don't I think if we said that they would have said what's a podcast? And then we would have gotten a slap on the wrist. We don't we <laughs> right. don't take content. We don't use Yeah, Hetfield would have Hetfield would have escorted us out of there. Well, I mean, we have used Metallica songs on this podcast before, so he would have come in right for us, right for the the jugular. Mhm. But there was um there was uh, someone who is a Emmy nominated person on twitter took a picture and our friend chris noticed us in the background he he said are those the lords of grantham and i was like oh my god this is on weird. the stranger's twitter he, he posted uh he he asked is that someone that we've never yeah. met in real life pointed us out in a picture of posted by someone that we'd never met so i i we, don't... in that moment we were like should we engage with this other person and i was like no 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 we wait this i waited until i was on the train yeah so, anyways, that was our experience with Downton Abbey Live. We, yeah, we were it, there. We we're the, on PBS on a Downton Abbey special. The elevator go, went down to the lobby, and it was like kind of like Men in Black. Like We entered this this alien world very briefly and saw things that we never thought we would see in our life. And then we came back down to the lobby, and it was as if nothing had, had been any different. But it's uh, it, we, we kind of manifest our destiny. You know, on our first podcast, we talked about, you know, we want to be in the movie. We want to get there. We want to meet everyone. We got close. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's more than what we thought we were going to get out of this podcast. That's true. That's true. We really have uh, we have lucked out in many ways. And winning this lottery for the tickets is definitely one of those ways. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, the movie marches closer. And we are closer to wrapping up Downton Abbey the series. We have the final episode to review. Yeah, and then we'll break down how we're going to use our time until the movie. I know we're going to do thorough power ranking breakdowns and yeah. a season breakdown, as we always do. And then a movie preview, maybe? And then, obviously, the Mixed Match Challenge championship bracket is going to come before. So that'll take so, you right uh, around until the movie. Yeah, someone commented on Twitter, you should do a bracket with the entire cast at the end of the series. And that's a good sorry i just dropped a can that's a good idea we'll see if we can if that's even doable i know we're gonna have uh, our own version of the sinister six to come in and help us break down all things down in the next match challenge so we want that we want a juicy ending so mm-hmm. that's gonna be a thing and uh i know i don't always do this but technically I'm supposed to be doing this and I feel bad if I have been neglecting our Patreon listeners, but 
monthly, I'm supposed to be giving a shout out to our Patreon subscribers who are, as always, Estelle, Patricia, and our good friend Kevin, our lawyer. So thank you guys for supporting us. And the Patreon is there. We got a month left until this movie. Any any amount of money that you might want to throw our way, you get all of our bonus episodes if you do join our upstairs tier. And that's patreon.com slash Lord of Grantham. And, you know, as always, find us on other social media platforms. You know, so Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and email us, right? Yep, those are that's how you find us. Or, you know, if you're an Emmy winner and you're in a room with us, that's another way to find us. Or, yeah, post a picture somewhere Daunton related. Maybe we're there. And maybe our <laughs> yeah. hardcore fans will point us out in the background. So our heads, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, finale next week, huh? Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But until we'll then, there. download the special, try and look for us. We'll see you next time on the Lords of Grantham podcast. So long.